Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Roshi, I need some advice. I just have this feeling that my Zazen is good for nothing. Well, it is good for nothing. Wait, what? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's absolutely good for nothing. It doesn't have any payoff. It doesn't do a thing for you. Uh, it's uh, basically, um, yeah, it's basically uh, the one thing that we do each day that uh, we're not looking for an angle. We're not looking for something. Well, I brush my teeth every day, and I'm not looking for anything there. Well, you're looking for nice teeth, <laughs> right? Stay away from the dentist. Yeah. So I even guess. that's different from zazen. Can you name something else you do that's really good for nothing? What do I do that's good for nothing? Well, if I just go walking outside with no aim, I'm not trying to get any place. I'm not doing it for exercise. I'm not doing it fast enough, like you on your exercise bike or something like that. I'm just walking with no aim. So I guess that's kind of like walking zazen. Yeah, now you're getting close to it. Now you're getting close to it. Now you get, Because some of the things we do that are good for nothing, that doesn't mean they're not good for us, right? And I've heard you refer to some people say you're good for nothing. But you have some good qualities, too. Now, I had to get that joke out, right? You know, let's get that out of the way right at the start. I guess it's true. There, are, there aren't that many things we do just for the sake of doing, but not even for the sake of doing them, just to do. Well, you know, think about it. We get up in the morning and we, we uh, get out of bed. And the first thing we want to do is make breakfast because we're hungry. And then we think about where we have to go that day because we need to get something done. We need tomatoes from the store. We need to drop off the dry cleaner. We need to go to the dentist. Everything we do is just uh, planning and payoff, and there's some reward. But, you know, we're one of the few creatures. Uh, I, I would include other, you know, maybe some of the animals join us in this. But we're one of the few creatures that does things in order to do them and get them done. For example, does the sun shine in order to get something done, or does it just shine? This is a, a koan. Well, it's a koan, but the sun isn't animate. The sun doesn't think about what it's doing. It's just doing what happens because of physics, chemical reactions, etc. And how about a mountain? A mountain just sits there and is majestic to our eyes, and it sits there for millions and millions of years, but is it trying to do something? Is it trying to be a mountain? Is it trying to achieve better mountainness, or, or does it go to the dentist? No, a mountain doesn't need a dentist, but whatever the equivalent is for mountains. What is the mountain trying to do? Is It's trying to push up from the ground. The sun is trying to shine, but are they, do they have goals like we do? What do you think? Do mountains want to be the highest mountains? Do they want to have the best mountain climbers? Well, they always say there's a, always a higher mountain somewhere. And if it's not on this planet, even Mount Everest, I'm sure if you go over to Mars somewhere, they got, they got some that will put uh, even Mount Everest to shame. Mm. But we human beings, we're the ones that 
just can't quit having so many goals and needing to do something and needing to fix something, needing to get a podcast done, needing to get the microphone to work. Oh, that that was five minutes before we came on today. <laughs> Always needing to get something done, you know, uh, solve this problem or that. But uh, mountains, do they try to sound mountain, solve mountain problems? Do mountains have problems? If you, if you, if you're a miner and you're you're strip mining a mountain, does the mountain complain? Does the mountain say, "Oh, this is terrible. This is the end of me"? No, the mountain just kind of uh, absorbs it, takes it in. It's people that have problems. Don't you think that mountains feel bad about erosion? That they're slowly worn away? Have you ever heard a mountain complain about it? Write a letter to the editor or start a blog post about uh, respect your mountains. We're oppressed. We're victims. We mountains are victims. Darn it, of uh, you, uh, of the miners. But it's true. I mean, I we had a, a little thing happen at our house um, this week. It was kind of really nice. We're we're cat people. I, I I think you have a soft place for some cats. This lovely Japanese young youngish couple came to our door, and the 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 wife was very upset. She was holding something wrapped in a in a in a bedsheet, and they had struck a cat. And uh, first, apparently, they a beautiful couple. They they tried to save the cat. They tried to find a veterinarian, and by the time they found one, it was too late. The cat had had gone from this world. So they came back to the neighborhood here, and they were going door to door, and they were trying to find whose cat it was. And I I've eventually found it was actually my friend's wife's cat. And uh, she she felt terrible because, you know, I tried to keep the cats in the house. She was letting the cat run loose and it it struck a, got struck by a car. So this poor couple was so upset they had killed the cat. And uh, I took the cat. We, we had a little cat funeral here. It was actually quite, quite lovely. And some of the neighbors came to the cat funeral. Okay. Oh, that's nice. But the couple, you know, they did this thing, and they wanted to fix the cat. Mm. People have goals. The neighbors wish their cat had come back. I wanted to do a funeral for the cat. The neighbors wanted to come. They had the goal of supporting the other people. All of it's beautiful. These are not bad goals. Not all goals are bad. You know, there was only one key player in this whole thing who had no goal. The cat. The cat, right. The ex-cat. The ex-cat. I have never heard a cat like a human being complain about what it's what is it all about? One of my two cats every morning feed me or I'll die right now. And then an hour later, you really have to feed me again. I promise I'm gonna die. Okay, I realized that was wrong after I said it. Yeah. Okay, so the whole story yes. <laughs> just the whole story of the last five minutes was wrong because yes, cats are big complainers. But you know why they're big complainers? Because they're actually quite like us. You know, they are a higher mammal, I would say. Yes and no. I was thinking of saying that my cats are pretty much good for nothing about 20 hours a day. I have two cats. Titus is, I think he's nine years old now. Rosalind is five years old. Titus sleeps most of the day. Uh, He's got his preferred spots. Rosalind wanders around and says, feed me or I'll die. But then sometimes she just sits in that kitty loaf position with the paws curled under at some odd angle, staring at something like she's doing cat zazen. Mm-hmm. She's not doing anything. Mm-hmm. She's just doing. And I always find that that kind of sitting always seems to me a great model. Well, sometimes they're attentive. They're looking for a bird or a mouse. We don't let our cat outside, but she, she sees the birds. So she, she yeah. points her ears back and she's looking. Sometimes they're licking various 
parts of their body that it's just amazing where they can where they can reach. <laughs> and that is actually very goal oriented, you would say, right? Yes, yeah. yes. So, uh, well, that's hygiene. That's like brushing their teeth in a but way. Do they have as many goals? Because the, the bird flies away, my cat soon forgets it. My cat, you know, is done with its cleaning. It takes a nap. It doesn't. They don't seem quite as goal oriented. But we, the human being, we have achieved this civilization. We have gone to the moon. We have put Elon Musk in space. No, he's the only one who didn't go to space. But all the other guys, <laughs> because of our great goal orientation. Well, look at it this way. We are the only species that invented the to-do list. Exactly. Yes. And the minute, what is it, the efficiency binder to make every efficient use of every minute of the day, you know, the time saver. Yep. And multitasking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I, I have yeah. proof, you know, this is a big philosophical debate. I have proof that the universe is actually, what? correct me if my pronunciation is wrong, teleological? Has teleological, I believe, yeah. You say tele, I say tilly. Is it tele or tilly? T Let's just call the whole thing off. The universe is driven toward goals. Some people say, is the universe pointless or is it heading somewhere? And I have proof, irrefutable proof, that it is heading. I hope you'll share that with us on the podcast. No, I will not. It is mine. No, no, I, of course I will. Yes, I will. Now, here's the proof. The universe somehow spun us up. And it is my belief as a Zen fellow that whatever the universe does is what the universe is capable of doing. And what the universe does is what it does. The universe is capable of shining like the sun because there is a sun that somehow came out of carbon and hydrogen and all the other elements in there making iron and it's burning. So the universe is capable of light and shining like the sun. The universe is capable of ice cream sundaes. Good point. Because those same minerals somehow make chocolate and vanilla and sugar and all the other goodies. And it is capable of mm -hmm. tasting ice cream because we are the universe, you see, and we have a tongue. And if our tongue can taste ice cream, it is nothing but the universe tasting ice cream. Because what are we? We are the universe capable of tasting other parts of the universe, which is the ice cream. Getting back to the goal, since we are goal-oriented and we are the universe and we build and we plan, the universe is a builder and planner. Ipso facto. Hmm, not sure I agree with that because the universe is just doing what the universe does. Yes. It's expanding. Yes. And in its expansion, all of these reactions, physical and chemical reactions are occurring to create the different elements and spew them about. And then each little bit of the universe fuses into a ball and revolves around something and the elements there, they cook and they yes. they mature and then things happen. And I, I'm going to bet that there are other planets where there are ice cream sundaes, but there are probably other planets where there are not ice cream sundaes, even though there might be sentient beings. We agree on all that, all that spinning and doing and ice cream sundaes and suns, whatever. Here's a, it's a tautology. Did I pronounce that right? Tautology? Or you're going to tell me it's tautology. No, it's a tautology, <laughs> teleological, teleological, and tautology. It's a, it's a teleological tautology that what the universe does is what the universe does. And if we do bad, it's the universe doing bad. If we do violence, it's the universe doing violence to other bits of the universe. This is a Zen thing. This is supposed to be a Zen podcast, right? Yeah. If I do 
violence to another person. It's the universe doing violence to the universe. And if I have a dream and a plan and build a tower, it is the universe building a tower, which is also the universe. This is what we think. It's the universe doing a podcast, right? Yeah. Okay. So it's the universe doing the universe. It's the universe universing. Right. Ex I think he's got it. Yes. Oh, I've got yes. it. Yes. That's, That's wonderful. That's what it is. I want to read just a brief quote that, that is sort of the germ for this episode. This is from an interview with Shoaku Okumura, and it's about his book, the, the book he translated, The Zen Teaching of Homeless Kodo. He's talking about a phrase he translated, Zazen is good for nothing. He says, to me, this means Zazen is good, but not for something. It is good in itself. Exactly. Exactly. Now, there's a big difference between saying Zazen is good for nothing or goalless and sitting around twiddling your thumbs waiting for the bus, waiting for something to happen, you see. Zazen is sitting in which the sitting is the fruition of Zazen, of sitting. The sitting is the fruition of sitting. The sitting is the pinnacle of sitting. The sitting is the point of sitting. The sitting is sat to sit. And it's very rare that we do something with nothing else that needs to be done. When we sit Zazen, there is nothing lacking. It is complete just by the sitting itself. This is actually the power of Zazen that actually gets something done. What does it get done? It teaches our heart the fulfillment of not needing one more damn thing. But if it's getting something done, then it's doing something rather than doing nothing. And that's the whole paradox, is it? We start by wanting to do something, and then we learn that there's nothing to do. What it gets done is achieving non-achievement, mm. hitting the goal of being goalless. And it's so good, and it's good for nothing, because it's good as everything. I think people get the feel for this. Mm. How often do you do anything, even look at a flower and say, this flower is the only thing in the whole world. There's nothing else to see. There's no other flower that can compare or need compare to this. This flower is everything. We don't know how to do that. We're always comparing or saying, this is a nice flower, but there's a better flower over there. But when we sit, it's different. There is nothing to compare it to. There's nothing outside of sitting. For the time of sitting, there is nothing more to do. That's why it's so powerful. And it's good for nothing. Good for nothingness. With the, say, it's not good for nothing. It's good for nothing, which is everything. There's something circular about this, which is interesting, mm -hmm. right? You're going around like a clock dial, hour to hour, as you're thinking, well, what's it good for? It's good for nothing. I'm back at the beginning. What's it good for? It's good for nothing. And an image just came to my mind. Do you know what a Klein bottle is? It's a bottle made by Klein. No, it's the kind of bottle where the stem goes inside the bottle, ah. right? And it's that circularity that that kind of seems to me a, a, a physical image of what we're talking about, the idea we're talking about, that the bottle goes into itself, that there's that it's self-contained in some ways. Like a Mobius strip, or or do you say Mobius strip? Mobius strip. I think it's I think it's Mobius strip, because I think there's the two little dots on the O. But yeah, that that's a good example too, because I remember when I was young, I first learned about that. And I took a strip of paper and 
I taped the two ends together with that half twist, and it just totally blew my mind. Mm -hmm. The idea that I could draw a line on one side, and it ends up coming on the other side and joining the first side again. Well, imagine that as the path, right? And you walk forward, and you walk forward, and you walk forward. And, and you can say it's kind of pointless. All I've done is I've gone around, and I came back to where I started. But that's, that's the way human beings say, oh, it's kind of pointless. I didn't get anywhere. But in fact, you've gotten to the Mobius Strip. <laughs> you never left it. You know, I, you can say, I want to find out what is the universe and who am I in it. And I say, stop looking for something and realize it's right here is the universe and is you. And it is the Mobius Strip, the great wholeness of it all. This is what we find when we sit with nothing to attain. So the point is, instead of looking for something like this unattainable goal, nirvana, satori, instead of looking for it, if we just realize that it's already here and just drop away body and mind, then it's there. Right. I am convinced that it is like the eye looking for the eye. You know, you would say, I'm looking out there. Where are you? And it doesn't realize that it is. Or the Buddha, uh, I, I've told you this many times that people, you know, Buddhists, if you have 10 Buddhists, we disagree 20 different ways on what the Buddha's enlightenment was, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it's like uh, any religion discussing uh, theological points. But I believe the Buddha, after years of searching, starving himself, studying this, studying that, doing all kinds of intense meditation, sat down under a tree and saw the morning star just shining to shine and realize this radical nothing more to do, nothing lacking, nothing to add, nothing to take away, and sat there like a star shining. That's what I believe. And when we sit zazen, that is what we do. We just sit to shine like a star shining. That's it. Okay, so here's a question. Yeah. Was the Buddha able to see that only because all he had been through to get to that point? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So do we all need to take this long path of searching and struggling of extremes in order to get to the point where we can let go and see? Yeah, it's called being a teenager and being in your 20s and all confused and messed up and wondering <laughs> what it's all about and having 17 broken relationships and maybe a drinking habit and losing a couple of jobs and going bankrupt at least once. And yeah, that's the path. That is the path. Well, does that mean that the older we get, the more likely we are to be able to see that sort of thing? Is it harder for younger people? Because younger people haven't experienced as much. We're both in our 60s, so we can't remember what it was like back then. No, no, because our memories are failing. <laughs> so are other various other things. <laughs> no, uh, the, I, I have met many older folks who are not wise and seem just as foolish as they were uh, when they were young and 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 hadn't experienced life. But I've met so many older folks who seem to have a certain natural wisdom. They say that, you know, that some of the happiest folks are in their 70s and 80s, and they don't fear death somehow. You would think, oh, I'm 80 and I'm getting sick. And, I'm, and somehow there's a certain contentedness and wisdom with a lot of folks, you know, not everybody, not my mother, my dear mom, I love the dear sweet before. <laughs> no, she was not content. But my father was. My father, the older and sicker he became, the kind of more he seemed like a 
a, a rooster just happy to to sit on his perch and was just happy with with it all. Mm. And uh, and the, the more terrible things that happened, I could tell you stories about what that guy went through. The less he complained, somehow he was amazing. I always often say, yeah, this is a tribute to my dad. Let's dedicate this episode to my dad. If I went, Leon, hey, that guy was more zen than anyone I know, and he didn't even know what Zen was. He, he couldn't tell you, you know, mm. if you asked him Asian wis- wisdom, he'd say, well, I know a couple of good places in Chinatown for Chow Mein. That was his idea of the East, <laughs> the East. That's all he knew. But he was more Zen than anyone I know. So I think it can come to a lot of people quite naturally. You're a very wise fellow. For uh, You have many years ahead of you, but uh, you've already attained a certain wisdom, I believe. I've tried without trying. I know someone who is who kind of fits that thing. My landlord is a farmer. He's 76, 77 years old. And he just tells me, I just love being outside. I just love growing food and all that. And he'll complain every once in a while about things, but not much. He, and he does, seem, he does seem extremely contented. And I think the, the people who are more contented are the people who aren't striving. Not that they're goalless, but that they're not trying to do more than they need to do. I think that's one of the things. And and that sort of striving is good. That got us to the moon, right? But for for every for individuals to live their life striving like that, you can never reach it's like Zeno's paradox, right? He shoots the arrow, it goes half its distance and half its distance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can never quite reach the goal and that's the dukkha of being frustrated by not reaching the goal. Yes, but the arrow is always just where it is every step of the way. Now, we mentioned homeless Kodo, the guy who first coined the term, right? Uh, good for nothing. Zazen is good for nothing. And he mm-hmm. got up and went around for years and years until he was a very old fellow and couldn't walk anymore teachings on Zen. And the Buddha sat under the tree, saw the shining star, realized there was nothing to attain, and immediately got up and started building a ministry, right? Mm. So as I, you know, listeners, we're on an episode, I don't know what episode this is, 6257, we're 60 something. Are we up in the 60s now? 60 something. We're in the 60s, yeah. But yet we have nothing to attain with this. Every episode is perfectly just with what it is. And listeners who have listened to each episode, which is just what it is, have heard me say a million times, but it's wisdom I want to get. If there's one thing I want to leave folks with this this podcast who have listened to our episodes, take this one bit of wisdom. You can have goals and attain and know non-attaining and contentment and wholeness at the same instant. So if listeners who are in that, they won't need to listen to any more episodes of the podcast. No, you got to get to the end. You got to, it's your make it a goal to listen to all the episodes. <laughs> Except the first five, which really weren't the best. We, we kind of recommend that everyone start with episode six now. Yeah, yeah. We put, we put the thing at the beginning. If you've listened to uh, episodes one to five, we've just put a big uh, kind of uh, apology, or what would you call it? A warning. Disclaimer. <laughs> Disclaimer, saying, please go to episode six, because we were still finding our, our roots. Yeah. There's nothing lacking, but we, we still hadn't uh, figured out. Uh, and uh, maybe, uh, uh, you know, at some point, we'll, we'll lose it again in this podcast. And not every episode is going to be the greatest episode ever, but I promise you this. Every moment of life is just what it is. There's nothing to attain. The happy moments, the sad moments, the good episodes, the bad episodes, the good days and bad days. Everything is just what it is. And when we sit Zazen, this is what we realize as Zazen is good for nothing.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.